The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to a mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris the Welsh. Today on the show, we've got spring training updates. And we will answer your mailbag questions, Apple Podcast review questions, as, long, as well as your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. But let's just jump right in, gentlemen. I'm pretty sure that's the first time Scott has heard that drop. Is that right, Scott? It is. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks since I've done a show with the Welsh. Yeah, so that is, Thanks, what's the word with the Welsh? <laughs> and let's jump in there. The talk of the town right now, Welshie, is Christian Encarnacion Strand. And we spoke about him on Thursday's podcast. Scott drafted him in his Tout Wars team. I drafted him in the reserve rounds of both my NL Only Labor and my TGFBI. He is tearing I it up in, this spring. I got him in TGFBI too. Tout and TGFBI. Well, Chris, mm. let me know. What are you thinking about Encarnacion Strand? What you've seen from him? Are we actually going to see him up on opening day? Yeah, so I think you guys are really smart about it. So I was at the Padres and Reds game yesterday as we're recording this, and uh, he stood out like a sore thumb for all the right reasons. He was actually running over at first base, and I know he's listed as a third baseman. Everyone kind of sees him there. You've got the Joey Votto issues. I think there's been a lot of assumption that Will Myers would kind of take that spot, but here's what was unique about that lineup. Will Myers played in right field, and he just kept in the outfield, and they had Encarnacion Strand play with all the starters. And guys, he was fan- as fantastic as built. Uh, you know, he was coming in with a really, really great home run record. He had three homers coming into this game. He absolutely crushed a ball to center field that was hit so hard, the center fielder could not catch up to it. And he turned what would be a double for most guys into a triple, which was really impressive for his athleticism because this is a big guy. They list him at six foot. Probably gives a little bit taller, to be honest with you, 225. He made one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my life, but it was a decision-making thing where a ball blooped and him and Myers almost collided. And I think he thought a runner was going, so he throws it to home and no one's there. 
no catcher, no nobody. So a runner was able to advance more, but it wasn't like a fielding mistake. It was just like a dumb mental error. Uh, he smacked a ball really, really hard a little bit later. He's just hitting the ball super hard in spring. He's hitting over 600. He's got the three RBI, uh, three homers, 10 RBI, 12 hits and 20 at bats. And I thought it was just telling him locking down that first base spot. I really do think and believe that this is something that the Reds are considering. Another little tiny factor, that same lineup, the Reds brought all their big guys, uh, Austin Hendrick, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, Noelvi Marte, and they all played on the second replacement squad in that lineup. Incarnation Strand started the game, Mm -hmm. and he played a decent amount. He did come out after like the sixth inning after Jonathan India and a lot of the starters, but he was playing with India. He was playing with Myers. He was playing with the big starting crew. So I am starting to believe that Incarnacion Strand really does have an opportunity to maybe be the surprise prospect that could break the uh, opening day roster just simply because of the stuff that's going on with Votto and how he's holding it down with his bat. It's really impressive. So yeah, and go ahead, and Scott. I, I've made the I've made the point too that uh, this is the same organization and the same leadership group that just two springs ago, you know, nobody was thinking Jonathan India on the opening day roster, and then. Suddenly, halfway through spring training, it was like it became apparent that India was going to be their starting second baseman. So uh, they could do the same thing with Incarnacion Strand. And we've talked about how big the power is, but I think I think this is one of those instances where the numbers are worth stating. So last year, between high A and double A, Incarnacion Strand hit 32 home runs. He drove in 114 runs, and this is in only 122 games. He had nearly an RBI a game. Yeah, I think the the drawback for him is he's only played 48 games at double-A, right? So it's, is he ready? He's a little bit older, though, 23 years old. So, I mean, if he's crushing it right now in camp and in spring training, maybe they just give him a shot. So in deeper leagues, one of your last picks, sure. Let's see what happens with Christian Encarnacion Strand. Well, she mentioned a few of the other Reds prospects that you got to see out there. You mentioned to me, Ellie De La Cruz, physical freak, uh, Austin Hendrick, former first-round pick, I believe, right? He He's looked good. I know he hit a home run on, I believe it was Wednesday in spring training. And then just yeah. an aside, a Diamondbacks note, you had Drew Jones played his first side game two days ago. Yeah, so just on that real quick, Ellie De La Cruz, every time I see him, I think I'm just taken back a little bit because, you know, he gets the O'Neill Cruz comps, but it doesn't work because uh, he's jacked, man. Like like, uh, O'Neill Cruz is a big, tall guy, but, you know, skinny and stuff. Ellie De La Cruz is not that. I mean, his shoulders have broadened out. The body has physically gone up. He is maybe the most physically impressive player I have seen in person. Like I've never seen Aaron Judge in person, but like the height, the physical muscle that he's added, because I had seen him like a year and a half ago when he was skinnier and he played pretty well out there. They're still going to work him at short. I think at some point, just like O'Neill Cruz, you could look at him playing in right field because that team also has a whole bunch of guys. But, you know, Noelvi Marte is the third baseman for that team. That is where he's going to go. Matt McClain is replaceable at best. Uh, it's second or short. And Ellie De La Cruz is going to get that spot. And uh, he, he was hitting the ball pretty strong. Decision making wasn't great in spring so far. He's behind a guy like Strand. Austin Hendrick, I was at that. I watched that homer. He smashed that homer. Um, it got out in a, in a whiz and he looks physically really good as well. 
Um, that would be someone I would pay attention to for prospect people because he is a complete afterthought for most, and he might be on a bounce back because he, um, in his two at bats, was making really, really, really good decisions. And then the thing I would kind of note with uh, the Drew Jones thing is next week is the start of minor league spring training. I know that's weird for people. You're like, what are you talking about? They actually didn't have to report until this Monday. That was report day. Every single minor linger has to be at camp. They're working out right now. They're in the backfields. Some are running side sessions. And that's what Drew Jones Jones did. They we no one knew about it, but apparently they just showed up to the Rangers and the Rangers and Diamondbacks played a little side game. Um, not a full game, but like five innings. He played in that, which was kind of a confirmation from my interview with him where he said he's going to play in some of these games. Next Monday, this all starts, and I believe Tuesday or Wednesday, Drew Jones is going to get in. I'm obviously going to go like target and try to get down there, but you're going to see him in some action. And I think that's going to lead up to some really fun, just kind of battles because I, I personally feel like Jackson Holiday, even though Drew Jones, like three months ago, was kind of the consensus first year player guy. I feel like everyone's cared about Jackson Holiday because he's doing stuff and he's out at camp and we get to watch him. And you've also kind of physically seen him grown. Once Drew's back out there, I think it's going to make like a really good, fun conversation again because he just hasn't had that against uh, Jackson Holiday. So hopefully some good confirmation stuff in spring. And we will see. He didn't, Drew didn't give me any like inside knowledge if he was going to be sent out for a ball. So we'll see. I think spring is going to really determine if he stays back in Arizona for extended or if he's going to be sent out to low A and then we can all get kind of hyped about uh, one of the most exciting prospects in baseball. We had the Jordan Walker conversation on Monday's podcast and coming off the weekend that he had last week where I was at the game down in Florida, four for four, two home runs, (laughs) lasers. I think they were like 450 feet, like just absolute bomb home runs. Then goes out, has another multi-hit game, stole a base. I think he got a hit off Garrett Cole too. So, man, the rise of Jordan Walker has been crazy. 17 drafts have been done over at the NFBC this week. The ADP... 117.7. Ooh. Welsh, what do you think about that cost for Jordan Walker? That's really fascinating. We just did um, uh, an In This League show with Ryan Bloomfield and Casey Bubba, and we had this exact conversation of where does he sit, and we were were kind of determining between like the 125 and 100 range was where he was ultimately going to go, but that conversation was built around who Jordan Walker is right now. Who is Jordan Walker if the team says, hey, we are going to break camp with him and we are going to let him be the right fielder? I think he can push easy top 75 right now. I had a little bit of a tough time with like the inside the top 100 because we were kind of doing some who'd you rathers. I'm curious. I'm curious with you guys here. Let me ask you, Jordan Walker or where did it go? Or Nick Castellanos, Mr. Scott White. Jordan Walker or Nick Castellanos? The hypothetical that Walker is on the team. Is no, let's go right now. Like right, right now. Because the seven NFBC drafts, he's going 117. Um, the consensus ADP on uh, Castellanos is 130. And I believe his NFBC um, is, where did he go? It is 123. So technically Jordan Walker okay. going higher than him. And I'm just trying to confirm in my own rankings. Uh, yeah, I think I'd take Walker anyway. Yeah, I have I have Walker one thirty eight and Castellanos one fifty four. Yeah, I, w- I would I would take Jordan Walker as well, and it's more so. Well, no, it has to do with Jordan Walker being awesome, but I'm also just off Nick Castellanos this year. Here's okay. Here's the last one because uh, we could do this for an hour. <laughs> Jordan Walker or Chris Bryant, Frank? Oh, mm. Mm. there she is. I think I would. I think I would there go Bryant. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I said, too. And Bubba didn't agree with me on that. Scott, what do you think? Oh, that's, uh, uh, that's yeah. Bryant? I, I mean, obviously, there are concerns with Bryant, as as there are for Walker. Does he make the team? You know, How does that go, considering he's 20 years old? Uh, there are no guarantees, obviously. But Bryant has the big question, the plantar fasciitis, and just his health history in general. Um, but if he is healthy, he's probably a 300 hitter with 25 to 30 home runs. And while Walker Walker could like in a really good scenario do that as well, maybe with some steals on top of it. But yeah, I feel like Bryant. I, I feel like Bryant's the better gamble. He'll hit a homer in Colorado at some point. My my last thing with Walker is like uh, we've been talking about this since I got to join you guys. We've been talking about how do you draft Walker and you should draft Walker and how to pair him. I still think everyone should do the same stuff we're talking about. The players just look different. A month and a half ago, we were sitting here talking about. You should take Jordan Walker around 200, 180, and then you should pair him with like a fun oldie third baseman, you know, Justin Turner before he got smacked in the face, like that type of stuff. You should take Walker still, and maybe it's a little bit outside the 125, but if you do, you're probably just looking at a different pair of sneaky third baseman you have to pair with, and you're probably going to be looking at him and maybe it's like boring Ty France or him and Jose Miranda at this point. Like those are the type of guys I would prioritize getting someone to go with him. Because if you're drafting Walker, you're drafting him as a third baseman, even if he plays in the outfield. I want him. That 117 in NFBC is a little too much for me, though. I need a little bit more of a discount. Yeah, I agree with that. I think around 150, just knowing what we know right now, makes sense. Jordan Walker went 158 in Scott's Tout Wars draft. That is a 15-team roto with OBP. Uh, I think that's closer to the right range, but you're right, Welsh. If we get confirmation, he's on the opening day roster. Jordan Walker is a top 100 Whole other conversation. I mean, yeah, yeah like another. it's going to happen. Well, we don't know for sure. But if it happens, yeah. I do think the ADP will, will just continue to rise. Let's get into some email questions. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. This one is from Chris Welsh. No, I don't think so. I'm in a dynasty <laughs> league in which Ouch. we can keep players on our team for as long as we want. With Without going into further detail, I'm stuck ranking these four players as I will likely be able to draft two of them. Of these four, which two would you advise drafting with the goal of having a stud for the next 10 years or more? Jordan Walker, Corbin Carroll, Wander Franco, or Gunnar Henderson? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, buddy, buddy. like, <laughs> okay, you only he can only pick two? Is it like a two-keeper or just as all the other keepers so good? He put well, a parentheses if you could rank all four just for Dynasty, go ahead. Look, my my number one and two prospects in my, in my top 100 for this year is uh, Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll. And maybe it should be Car- Corbin Carroll or, over Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, mine's the same but flipped. Yeah, um, I, I might be talking myself into going the other way. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I don't want to overthink it. I mean, Jordan Walker is third on that list. Jordan Walker... He probably has the highest ceiling of the three, but I think I'd still stick with Carroll and Henderson. If not, I need to update my prospect rankings, right? And and Franco, well, he's obviously a great choice too. I have more questions about his ups. Like the increased exposure to the majors relative to these others has just created more questions about his upside. Welsh, what do you think? Sorry, everything got all uh, crazy for me right there for a second, connection-wise. Yeah, I'm kind of the same thing here. Carol and Henderson are my top two guys. I actually just moved Walker above Lawler. I had Lawler there. Really, really tough decision. Lawler looks bigger, but like it's just hard to ignore what Jordan Walker is doing right now. I think those guys are like tiered. So I agree with that. 
Wander Franco, I'm also kind of on the bus right now that uh, he's going to have a bounce back and he's a great breakout candidate. And I think he's a phenomenal buy in Dynasty right now. But I don't even know if the bounce back categorically still gets us to what we want out of guys like Gunner and Corbin Carroll and even maybe Jordan Walker at this point. I actually think Jordan Walker and and uh, Wander Franco are like a really, really close conversation. The ease of this, though, like you said, simplistic. It's Carolyn Henderson. Feel pretty good about it. Uh, I would be pretty happy. And also, like, how do you have all these guys? Like, how did you have the top three prospects in baseball? Good job if you did that. I don't know how you well, put these he's guys saying, together. He's saying these are who he thinks he'll be able to draft. But oh, these are draft. Okay, I thought these were why keepers. aren't they being kept in a dynasty league? <laughs> yeah. yeah, why are they not being kept? These are top 35, if you could all of them together, 35 or 40 in a dynasty. There's no reason they shouldn't be kept. Maybe it's a startup dynasty league. Didn't He didn't mention that, but I guess it's possible. This That's one's from... Possible. This next one's from Derek. Just curious why the podcast loves Corey Seager this season, but never seems to talk about Willie Adamas. Seager probably a bit better average, but Adamas should be close to double-digit steals. Power and counting stats are very similar. Just wondering what you see as the biggest difference between the two. Perhaps average. just Seager has the longer track record. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bit more. It's 80 to 100 points more. <laughs> no, I'm exaggerating, no, but yeah. not by much. Uh, like no, really. I think Corey Seager could win a batting title, and right. you know, if he hit three thirty and Willie Adamas hit three uh, hit two thirty, I don't think it would. I'd fall out of my chair. That's not the most likely scenario. I think it's more likely three hundred for Seager, two forty for Adamas. But that's that's a big difference, obviously, I, and all the run production that goes with it. I think you could agree that like Adamas though is one of the best deals. I actually was putting together an all sleeper team, and I kind of think he's that guy because. You know, I'm really turning sour on the back half of the awesome shortstop crew. I don't want Tim Anderson. Um, I don't want Carlos Correa. I don't want Jeremy Payne. I don't want a lot of those guys. The guy that sneaks and lives in that territory is Willie Adamas. And, you know, based off of his career BABIP, it's like almost 60 points lower. Um, so if you can get back to him being a 250, even if he's a 245 guy, the big difference is the batting average off of Corey Seager versus him. And they're going, what, 70, 80 spots difference. So I don't think we need, I don't think it's like, ooh, you guys are talking about Corey Seager. Why aren't you talking about Adamus? It's just, no, Adamus is a phenomenal deal. Corey Seager, to me, is in kind of a tier of his own. I think he is getting into that upper echelon. Like, I don't know if he can win a batting title, but like he is a high, high end four category player that gets an advantage with the shift being taken away. Those are going to work in his favor. He has no question marks. Adamus still has question marks, but we can see these little paths of like, it's a career low Babbitt. Average comes back. Even on the career low Babbitt, by the way, he had like 30 plus homers. So right. he is an awesome, cheaper four category player. He just has more worries. We should talk about Adamus, but I don't think those two need to be like correlated together. Willie Adamus kind of gets lost in the mix because obviously everyone is talking up Seager. A lot of people like O'Neill Cruz as a breakout, Wander Franco as a bounce back. So he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. But he is a phenomenal value. I mean, his ADP is around 90. Last year, he was a top 50 player in Roto. Uh, only 23 players had 30 plus home runs, only two at shortstop, Corey Seager and Willie Adamas. So, and I'm pretty sure we said this on the shortstop preview. We both yeah. we like Willie Adamas. It's just we like Corey Seager a lot more. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're how many rounds difference of value is it too? So I, I think the earlier a player gets drafted, the more he tends to get talked about. Um, but yeah, I 
I don't think I've drafted him on an actual team yet, but Willie Adamas is somebody I get a lot in mocks because he's at the end of that very, very large shortstop tier. For me, he's, he's the last of that tier. I have Tim Anderson and Carlos Correa ahead of him, but he tends to go the latest of that tier. To your point with that too, um, I actually feel like I see Adamas go outside the top 100 in so many mocks I do because shortstop is so deep. Yep. And then people are like, well, I can wait on it. Especially if you're in a 12, if you're in a 12 team, like a category, he's going to go further past. I think he'll fall out of that. 15 team, it's a little bit different. I've drafted him a couple of times in mocks as my middle infielder just because I like him so much and I'll have another good shortstop. You want to make sure you're paying attention to positions, but he's a, he's a great player to pick up. He's a great bounce back player uh, for this year, just like Corey Seager is. They're just different tiers right now. This one's from David. Holy fly balls, Batman. Have you seen Mike Trout's expected numbers from last year? All career lows, but still elite. Probably due to a 54% fly ball rate. Is there any concern for him this year? That's a pretty dramatic change to his batted ball profile. Thanks. So the XBA for Mike Trout was 265 Last season, that was a career low. He hit 283. The strikeout rate has been right around 28% each of the past two seasons. And David wrote in 54% fly ball rate. Fangraphs has Mike Trout at 56.7. So that is a clear outlier, career high. It's something that I've noticed, but you just kind of give Mike Trout the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he still hit 40 home runs in 119 games. So it's, I don't know where... I just, we're probably overthinking it when it comes to Mike Trout. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, like he's more of a 280 hitter now than a 310 hitter. Right. That's, you know, still a benefit in batting average. Uh, obviously, the injury risks are, are baked into his price, I think. It's why he's more like a second rounder now. Uh, but it, it is true that, you know, I, I feel like the decline has started for Trout. It's it's going to be a slow decline, and he started at such a high point that, you know, he's still going to be great for a few years, I assume. But he's 31, and, you know, like, outside of OBP leagues or, or points leagues, you never see him even mentioned in the first-round discussion anymore. And I think, I think that's appropriate. And it's a shame because, like, all-time player here whose prime is over – and he got to play in the postseason once. Like the Angels wasted the best of Mike Trout. I, I you know, it's we're 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 on the downside slide now, and and this is it's very disappointing. I the biggest know. moments for Mike Trout might be coming um, in the next couple of weeks in the WBC, which is like a really sad thing to think about. Like we we might remember, you know, if the if USA takes down a WBC title, like that'll be one of our biggest you know championship type of memories for him. Uh, it is weird though. Not, you guys said it great. You said it great, Scott. Just not to blabber it, but like in forty homers and like under 120 games he it, the health has been kind of a major question i think it's just like you said it's kind of like declining skills that still have these elite bursts i mean his expected slug was higher than it was last year the batting average is tapering down a little bit the injuries are catching up and hopefully he finds readjustments like from a body perspective of what he needs to start doing to stay healthy because when he's out there he's still putting up so like if we look at if we look at like XBA, some of the expected stats and we're like, okay, there's this major decline. He just doesn't like his batting average struggled last year a little bit, but he hit 40 homers. He's still a, an elite, elite player that is going to sl- probably have a much slower decline as far as um, actual categories go than, you know, Albert Pujols or anybody like that. We just, it, it does suck that the greatest years of Mike Trout look a little bit squandered. This point is interesting though. And I know, uh, known projections enthusiast Scott White will love this one. Uh, 
Batting average projections on Fangraphs range from 254 to 272 for Mike Trout. I mean, that is... Mm. I hadn't noticed that, but that is pretty interesting. They're probably factoring in that fly ball rate just massively. It typically leads, yeah. to, a, leads to a lower Babbitt, but... That's, yeah, that's I, I mean, projection, I, projections, all models of anything, not just baseball stats, are only as good as the inputs. And frankly, I just think there's too many variables to account for to take them that seriously in a case like this. I mean, the majority of players probably fit the inputs well, but I think Mike Trout is uh, somebody who doesn't. Yeah, like what happens if the fly ball rate goes back down to 45%? I mean, he could hit 300. Uh, I wouldn't rule that out for for Mike Trout. Let's take our first break here. Before we do that, just a reminder that the CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball Commissioner lets you run your league your way with endless ways to customize your scoring, rosters, schedule, and more. With CBS Sports Commissioner, you can cut out the loopholes and arguments and play exactly how your league wants to. My Longest Running Keeper League and the Scott White Dynasty League both play on CBS. We've done our drafts. They both run seamlessly. A lot of fun. You can set up custom rules, roto, head-to-head points, or categories, salary cap or snake draft, keepers, contracts, draft pick trading, and multiple matchups per, per period. Also get the latest analysis and advice from Scott, Chris Towers, Chris Welsh, and me, on your league homepage. So step up to the big leagues this season. Visit cbssports.com slash FBT to get a special offer when you start a new commissioner league today. Again, that's cbssports.com slash FBT. And we'll be back right after, gotta pull this up, this. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today. This next email is from Nick. Hello, love the videos and podcast as I am an extremely avid listener. What's your take on Evan Carter? This is Rangers prospect, Rangers outfield prospect. Been reading about him for a few months now and heard you guys talk about him slightly in a podcast or two and was trying to trade for him in my 12-team head-to-head categories Dynasty League. The manager is asking for my Giancarlo Stanton for his Evan Carter and is not willing to take anyone else as he is a Yankees fan. Welsh, what are your takes on the offer? Evan Carter for Giancarlo Stanton. Well, I do know that the Rangers love Evan Carter. He is untouchable, as I'm told, uh, in that organization. And he's a really, really good, good outfielder. I, I have some slight questions about what the offense is going to look like, but the best, and it's kind of lazy comp, feels like uh, Kyle Tucker 
type if you would look for him. Uh, lower strikeout rates he's had in the minors so far. He's stolen some bases. He had an injury in 2019-20 that kept him off a little bit. But this past year, hit 12 homers, had 28 stolen bases, great walk rate, really good contact overall. And I think that's the type of game you would be looking at. He's got long limbs. Um, I one time watched a BP session of him and uh, prospect Aaron Zavala, and he just explodes on the ball. Like he's got kind of a looseness to him, which is weird when you watch him, but he absolutely explodes on the ball and it feels very Kyle Tuckerish because of the body. So I, I would kind of throw that out there. You know, I don't, I don't, did he say the context outside of just like the guy won Stanton? Because I don't really covet Stanton in any dynasty league right now. If I'm winning now, of course, you know, may, yeah. even if I've been winning now, I gotta be honest with you. Right. I still don't think Stanton holds anything here. Evan Carter's a must get type of guy. He's a top 25 overall fantasy prospect. Uh, I think I might have him at 20 if I'm being honest with you. And uh, I have been, uh, Sniped on him a couple times in some startups. I did an Otno uh, draft and I tried to slip him out there for $2 and I got bid up to like $5 on him, which was insane. Uh, but, you know, the word is out there. Evan Carter is definitely someone you should get in on. And, you know, if he wants only Stanton, he's not coveting him as a top 50 prospect. And that's like an advantage to you. Yeah. yeah, I don't have Evan Carter as high as you do. I'm 43rd, but, you know, still top 50. Top 50. Uh, yeah. I, the, the thing I want to stress with the Tucker comparison is like the, the thing Carter does best is get on base and that's you know so if, if i don't know what the scoring format is had to add categories he said but yeah if he gets on base um he, he's gonna he's gonna reach base at a higher rate than tucker does because tucker doesn't walk much the question for me with carter is how the power develops because while he is capable of hitting the ball hard he's very very opposite field minded and that's been one of the things that's held like alec bone back for instance uh you know, a lot of power. Power has to come largely from the pool side now that the juice ball is gone. And uh, so we just don't know how that's going to develop, develop for Carter. But obviously that's something the Rangers helped Josh Young overcome. And maybe they can with Carter as well. Yeah, I told you guys to remember that video I, or that uh, picture I had where they were using like the weighted, I think, I believe it was the weighted vest they were using out in practice, which is, you know, a really good thing to see, which is going to help a lot with some of these guys on pull power. And I think last thing I want to add is he's in a group in my mind of Pete Crow Armstrong and Zach Veen. And I, I was actually at the Rockies the other day and watching Zach Veen and uh, his mentality has completely changed, by the way. And they're doing a BP session where they were trying to hit homers. And this is my only negative because I think I've talked a lot about Zach Veen. Zach Veen, by the way, leads minor league or leads uh, spring training in stolen bases again where he's led in the AFL so like I want to reiterate when the questions have been out there Vina's going to steal all the bases in the world but boy you know you talk about like you needing to see a lot of more pull side stuff I saw Zach Veen trying as hard as he possibly could to get the ball out of the stadium, and he couldn't do it. He Great hit tool. Um, he, he can hit opposite field. He was pulling the ball, and it just kept coming short. And it was one of those things that, that it's just a BP session, but it really does show he is going out of his way to try to have some pull power, and it wasn't working, that Zach Veen will not be a points league type of guy. I mean, he'll have some you know hits and stuff, but his main stuff is going to come out of categories leagues where you're going to get those stolen bases. Evan Carter might have some similar things so I think he has better pull side power and then you compare him to a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong who I think might actually be the total package uh, across those guys a little bit bigger body guy he definitely has more power I think than either one of those players a little bit less stolen bases so you can kind of like pen all those guys in my mind I think I have them all like literally next to each other in the top 25 but again like you should be excited I think Kevin Car uh, Evan Carter might be the mix between those two by the way where 
Pete Crow has a little bit more of the power. Veen has more of the speed, and he's just kind of like right in the middle, which is why uh, you should jump on that trade. I, I know we have a lot more questions to get to, but this is really topical. Zach Veen, since you brought him up, what do you think the chances are he is up this season earlier than not? Because I've seen him start to get drafted in some of those 15-team leagues. There's been a lot of buzz out of Rocky's camp about him. What do you Very, think? very high, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, this means nothing. And, I, and I, I'm very anecdotal. So apologies if, if there are people out there that don't like the anecdotal. Because I'll do anecdotal stuff and I'll see snide comments about, ooh, we're that's just what I do. I, and I see things. I pay attention to weird things. Zach Veen's demeanor has changed. He was a very reserved closed off player leading up into the AFL. Didn't want to be around people, didn't talk to people, avoided this. He's a completely different human being. He is uh, joyful, happy. He talks to people. He's thanking people for coming out and watching him. It's a completely different mindset. Part of that, which is unique, is he is out there with that second team of NRI guys, big leaguers, Cole Tucker. He's always in the sessions with guys like Cole Tucker, Warming Burnable, Julio Carreras. He's in, and that's kind of the, like, we're on the 40-man roster. So I think there's a demeanor change in that he knows he's a step closer. And he has, like, completely checked off these big markers between the AFL and here. And the team also openly talked about this about a month or so ago that they are open to Zach Veen coming up and they're looking at Zach Veen being a contributor early into this year, maybe midpoint. Grant, Randall Gritchick is already hurt. Um, not that it's an infield thing, but you got Brandon Rogers who's hurt and they brought in Mike Moustakas who I saw. Like this team definitely has got a lot of injury things and Zach Veen is a big big portion of the future and I think what he's doing there's no expectation of power he's already making really good decisions and he's a contact hitter he is lightning fast and he's a good defender there's no reason to hold him back outside of the normal Rockies mindset so I say all of that I think he could be up by June I don't think he's going to break camp I don't see anything like that but I think that June July range is a possibility but also knowing that the Rockies are Rockies. They had Nolan Jones and El Harris Montero ready to go. And they're like, ah, you know what we need to do? Mike Moustakis. And they did that. And that's like the old Garrett Hampson stuff that they kept throwing out here. So God knows what they end up doing at the end of the day. But yes, I think Veen is a real, real possibility. Should have taken him in Tout Wars. I think mm. he's still out there. Got to put in a claim. Hey, got my outfield problem. First waiver wire run, Scotty. I know you need some outfielders. Go out there and uh, get yourself some Zach, Zach Veen. This next one's from Peter. Why has Scott forgotten about one of his 2022 darlings? Last year, Scott was praising Nolan Gorman, and it inspired me to pick him up in Dynasty mm. this year. Last we, we, uh, lest we forget his accomplishments, 16 home runs in 43 games at AAA, underperformed his stat cast metrics, is only 22 years old, plays second base. Do you think mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman is a viable sleeper this year? The ADP is 341. I mean, look, he has talent, so... You play in a deep enough league, then then yeah, I'd say he qualifies as a sleeper. the The biggest issue, the reason I I don't have much interest in drafting Gorman this year, is because he's kind of the forgotten man in St. Louis. It's it's kind of startling actually how quickly um, how, how like it, a, a prospect this high end and and the amount that the organization doesn't seem to value him like that that discrepancy is about as big as I've ever seen. Because they don't seem to like him at second base anymore. It doesn't seem like he's going to get much playing time there. And of course, uh, um, uh, Donovan is uh, who they plan to play there mostly. 
Uh, and then so it becomes DH, and and well, we're already struggling to find out how they're going to fit Jordan Walker in the lineup with all those out, other outfielders. So so where exactly does Gorman fit? It just doesn't seem like he's a high priority for the Cardinals, and and that makes it uh, that that makes you wonder exactly what his uh, path to playing time is. The only thing I want to add here is I don't know if like all of that is correct. So they they challenged him. And I thought this was really interesting because uh, I read this article about this about, uh, about two weeks ago, is they challenged Gorman when they were going through and looking that he cannot hit anything high, specifically high velocity pitches higher in the zone. And they said, you have to work on that. So I believe it was driveline. Usually it always is uh, that he <laughs> took the off season to alter his approach and his swing specifically targeting being able to hit higher in the zone. If you look at a spray chart, you'll see some of that. And there's been some good early success. He's hitting 286 in spring. He's already popped up a couple homers. So like you got to remember also he's 22 years old. So I don't know if it's the Cardinals don't value him. They tried and attempted because he could not be a third or first baseman because you got Goldschmidt and Arenado. So they tried to get him another position. Well, they developed a gold glove, Brendan Donovan. Okay, we're done here. What can you do? Maybe you got to look at in the outfield. There's nothing there. So it's DH and they challenged him with the bat. And he's kind of answered some of those questions. It doesn't mean that they're going to find a spot for him because you've got Juan Yapez, you've got Jordan Walker. And ultimately this may be someone that they move on from. But I thought it was interesting that he acknowledged the challenge from the team. And I think you like to hear that, that the team is actually invested in, hey, we need to fix this. He has put that focus on. And you're kind of seeing some of it. You know, he's just hitting right around almost 300. I think that's a pretty positive early sign for Nolan Gorman. It's just like, all that's cool. Where Where's it going to play? And I have no idea. It probably would make most sense on another team. But uh, he's still very, yeah. very young. Trade he's probably bait. like a stash dynasty type of guy. He's not a player I would be, I would care at all about in redraft this year, regardless I, of the changes. I was so surprised that the Cardinals weren't more involved in a Pablo Lopez trade in Maybe that's just something they know about Pablo Lopez, but it just seemed like a perfect fit, whether it was Tyler O'Neill, I mean, Gorman, if they gave him up, obviously they would ask for more than just Pablo Lopez in return, but it just seemed like a pretty natural fit for the Cardinals. Uh, my best guess as of now, I know Roster Resource has Juan Yepes as a DH. If they like Gorman and they still want him to play, strong side platoon against uh, as the DH... I think makes some sense for Nolan Gorman to at least start the season for the Cardinals. Let's get into some of your Apple podcast review questions. Thanks again to everyone dropping uh, five-star ratings. We do appreciate it. This one's from Brad in a dynasty league where I have O'Neill Cruz and Marcelo Meyer. Would you trade Francisco Lindor for Jacob deGrom? I just, I just got to say real quick, Frank, if, if that scenario plays out, Gorman at DH, that probably means Jordan Walker's not on the roster. I don't think so, because I think, no, I don't think Jordan so. Walker would play left, Tyler O'Neill in center, and New Bar in right. And then you have... You, th- you think they're ready to move on from Dylan Carlson? Well, Carlson becomes a fourth outfielder yeah. and Burleson goes down, or... Uh, I think I think Carlson's traded. I, I still don't know why... I like Juan Pez and stuff. Juan Pez, I don't know if you guys heard about this, when he went to the Dominican Winter League, he went out to play to, you know, and I think the Cardinals were positive about it, improve the bat. He got really sick. And he had like a horrible, horrible uh, Dominican winter league because he caught some bug and lost like 30 pounds. And that really set him back that like, not to say that that should hold them back, but like 
is should Wanya Pez be the guy that gives up on Carlson or Nolan Gorman? I, I just feel like he'd be better suited yeah. somewhere else. But I, I feel like they make the right decision somewhere. But I don't think it's at the expense of Walker, no matter what they do. I think, to be clear, I, I'm ready to move on from Carlson. But I haven't yeah. gotten the impression from those on the Cardinals beat that that's the way the team feels. Except O'Neal. Like, they, they were willing. Think of how, like, untouchable Carlson was. This offseason, they're like, mm, Carlson and O'Neal, you guys are going to fight it out for center field. Like, I think that's the starting signs of maybe moving on a little bit. It's not completely, but that's that's how you start. Yeah, I could be wrong. I just view it as a, a fourth outfield situation for Dylan Carlson for now. And Tyler O'Neill has been injury prone. So, you know, throwing him in center field, probably not great for his body holding up, but it's a good problem for the Cardinals to have. They have a bunch of depth right now. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But that's just my guess is Gorman at DH against righties and Jordan Walker in left field. Uh, the question again if you have O'Neill Cruz and Marcelo Meyer, would you trade Lindor for Jacob DeGrom? No. Well, probably risky. not. Um, like you could, you I could mean, get a, you could get a safer pitcher than that if you really wanted to do that. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to just have Lindor and Cruz. And obviously, Meyer, we're not worried about him till next year at the earliest. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree I, with I, that. I, like, also, if you have Cruz, it's really volatile. I actually think you have a huge advantage if you've got like, this awesome, stable, huge upside keeper shortstop in Francisco Lindor. And then Cruz can be like a middle infielder. I think it's a huge advantage. I wouldn't want to take off that advantage. I do want, I'm one of the few guys, like I'm a little bit of defendee of uh, Jacob deGrom and what he can be and what he can do. Uh, he's got a pitch. It looks like potentially on Monday in spring, that'll be his first one. Cause his last session went well, but you just don't trade Lindor for Jacob deGrom really in any circumstance in a keeper league. All right, this next one is from Khalid18348. Dear Goose, Spark, and Mariano. So I guess those are Yankees closers. I mean, I know who Goose and Mariano are. I don't know who Spark is. Do you know who Spark is? Sparky Lyle. Okay. Okay. Uh, The question, 12-team head-to-head categories league that has Mookie Betts as both outfield and second base eligibility. Where would you rank him being that he's eligible at two scarce positions? And I believe this is the case on Yahoo. So for anyone playing on Yahoo, if you're listening, you want to pay attention here because uh, Mookie Betts has both of those eligibilities. You, you know, this was part of the reason why initially I had Mookie Betts ranked so high is even if even if you played on one, one of the places like CBS where he's not eligible at second base to begin the year, it seems likely he'll pick up eligibility there sooner than later. Um, so I, I initially had him ahead of you know guys like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez and even Juan Soto. But I've, you know, the more I've drafted, the more I've found that while it's, it is nice to get one of the few stud second bases like Jose Altuve, um, if you can, you know, second base has a lot of interesting options, not safe options, but interesting options. And there are few ways where other teams are like where you're, you're at a clear disadvantage coming out of the draft at second base. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, I'd call it a bottom-heavy position. It's it's not a position that I mind passing up early as much as others. Meanwhile, outfield is a freaking disaster. It's always a freaking <laughs> disaster. And yeah. like, so I just don't think it's that likely you'll end up playing bets at second base much. Maybe, but probably not. You probably need him in the outfield more. So I, I don't think it changes his value that much. I, I already have him really high. I have him at seven. I might move him to six. You know, I'd be hard pressed for me to move him above Julio. So I might move him to six at second base. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you could argue like maybe deeper leagues, 
with second base really thins out, that's like a tiny bit more advantage. But if you play in a deeper league, it's probably five outfielders and then that stinks even more. So it's kind of like the Fernando Tatis Jr. qualifying at shortstop. But I also look and you're like, well, shortstop's deep and outfield's not that you could see scenarios where you throw him out in the outfield more than shortstop. So, yeah, yeah, it's not crazy, but maybe one spot. This next one's from Kevin in San Francisco. Who is better in three years? Good luck, guys. Michael Harris, Corbin Carroll, or Jordan Walker? I mean, you guys well, know the answer to me. Look at look behind me. Like, I'm going to say Corbin Carroll. The floor is the easiest here. I like the contact skills for him the most. I think he will steal the most out of these guys. Uh, Michael Harris walks the least. Jordan Walker has the potential to be the best fantasy player of all these because of the big power speed, and you could argue the powers in question for Carroll, maybe not as much as Harris, but um, this is a, I actually think I would rank it Carroll Walker Harris, but I mean, you know, you knew that was happening. So Scott yeah. this is probably more interesting. No, to you. I, that's an, my initial inclination too. And I don't, I don't want to dismiss Harris. I, I do have him on my bust list, um, but I also have found myself drafting him more than once. So it's a very, I'm in a very precarious place with Harris. And, and obviously he had a, uh, one of, one of the best rookie seasons in recent memory. So it, it seems seems kind of foolish, like looking a gift horse in the mouth to to dismiss him, especially somebody like Jordan Walker. We haven't seen him play a single major league game, but that is how I feel. It's it's close, but I think I'd rank them Carroll Walker and Harris third. It's super hard too. I want to acknowledge for anyone that's like, what about Michael Harris? Like, it's super hard to do this on a after Michael Harris like had that season that he just had, like it's hard to go against that. That's what makes dynasty and keeper so uniquely odd that we can go for a guy that had a short sample size or a guy that has no major league experience over a player that was a rookie of the year guy. So I I acknowledge all of that. It's just, there's some small warning signs with the walk stuff. And it's really actually more about the talent of the other players. And it is being, at least in my mind, being dismissive of Michael Harris. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, let's kind of go rapid fire. I think we got some keeper questions coming up here. I know last week I said we were done with the keeper questions, but these are some holdovers, again, from last week's podcast. Just so many questions coming in. This one's from Your Boy 7 I'm in a 12-team 5x5 rotisserie league where we can where we get one keeper at the spot they were drafted the previous year. So Manny Machado picked 21, Justin Verlander picked 52, Emmanuel Class A at 92, Tommy Edmond 117, Jesus Lozardo at 213, Ty France 196, and Jeff McNeil at 285. So it's not round. You lose. I, I guess. So is that the, does he mean the round that we're taking? Because he says yeah, at no. the spot they were drafted, he's giving us where they were picked. So this must just be the round. So we have to decipher the round somehow. Yeah. I mean, Verlander in round five is the best value, but I think so. Machado, like, Machado, I can't, yeah. I can't justify giving up. Like, that's your chance at a stud third baseman. 
and you only keep one. See, that's my thing. Someone asked me a question like this the other, uh, actually today, where it was like, oh, we keep like two or three guys. And, you know, do you take the value of this guy over this guy? And it's like, when you only keep a couple, I kind of stopped caring about the big differences. Like, okay, if this were Manny Machado versus like Michael Harris and it was round 20 or pick 21 to pick 152, okay, that's fine. But if it's like, okay, Verlander's in the fifth round, Machado's in the second round, you're only keeping one player. That means the entire rest of the player pool. There are only 12 players being kept in this entire league. Why would you not want one of the top 20 best players, even if it costs you a second round? I, I would have to go with Machado here. And I'm not trying to make it like it's easy because Class A is a really good deal. Verlander yeah. is a really solid deal, but I, mean, I just want the too, best player. Man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I think I would take Verlander with all that being said, but uh, <laughs> it is close. This one's from Travis in San Diego. Dear Kevin Stewart and Bob. Kevin Stewart and Bob. And those are pretty generic names. I just Googled I it. I think these are minions. Kevin okay. Oh, this is. These are the minions. Yeah, 100%. These are minions. I mean, people know I don't watch movies. I definitely have not watched animated movies in like the past. <laughs> See, I am I so uh... far behind on like Disney and Pixar movies. I I don't even know the last one that I saw. It was maybe like Inside Out or something like that. I didn't know they it's had been a long time. Yeah, I, I didn't know we did. Anywho, uh, 12 team Roto salary cap league. Keepers go up by $5 each year. This is a daily lineup league that just added a DH spot. I can keep Otani for $30, but was recently offered Corbin Burns, who I could keep for 11 So Otani, the cheat code in a daily lineup league, or Burns at 11 Oh, was, I didn't, I didn't miss, I didn't. I didn't catch that daily lineup part. Yeah. Yeah. Easy Otani uh, here. Yeah. Stick with Otani. Otherwise, I would have been inclined to say do it if it was weekly, but no, stick with Otani. This one's from Matt D. 10 team categories league with four outfielders and two utility. No corner or middle. I'm keeping Devers in the second, Jordan Alvarez in the fourth, and Corbin Burns in the eighth. Would you keep Juan Soto in the first, Paul Goldschmidt in the third, Matt Olson in the seventh, or Corbin Carroll in the 11th? <laughs> well, Scott, you can answer this first. Yeah, Scott can answer this first. He, he looks like he's got a really good answer on a like they, they ha, of course Corbin Carroll had to be in the eleventh here. Like I don't want to take him here. I, what do you, you want to take Scott? Soto? Right. I kind of want to take Soto in the first with what I yeah. talked about before, but like Goldschmidt in the third seems like a really great value. Um, I like Carroll Matt, in the eleventh. I like Matt Olson in the seventh too. That's the one I don't like. That's the only one uh, that I right. wouldn't want out of this. Well, it is a 10-team league, remember, Frank, so 7th. That's true. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I wasn't thinking of the 10-team league, too. You know what? I'm going to just go Soto. I I don't like to be the guy that's taking the best player here, but you're going to have a shot at Carroll. You might not have a shot at Goldschmidt, but you've got a shot back to get Carroll, even though you won't get as good of a value. Um, Yeah. And you've got amazing keepers already. You need as many studs as possible in a shallow league like this. So, um, I, you know, I... It helped to know who everyone else was keeping or wasn't because if if that first round pick that you're not forfeiting or, or if if that first round pick you're forfeiting by keeping Soto could land you at a player who is basically equivalent to Soto, then it might make sense to keep Carroll instead. But, but you know, not, thirty it, players are it, off the board, and they're probably like you know probably the top thirty players, or at least you if, know if a they handful are, yeah, of the if, top. If you know, they're all all the studs are pretty much going to be capped. Then then yeah, I think yeah. you have to make sure you secure the stud yourself. This one's from Max the Bagel. Hey, Michael, Bugs, and Daffy. Okay. I mean, look, look, yeah. Space Jam, right? Yeah, the Toon Squad. Did you oh, guys watch Jam. Space Jam 2 with LeBron James? No. 
No, <laughs> I, my kid, I think, did, and my Space he was Jam one wasn't good. Well, he was. Right, well, oh, come on, Scott. Come on, I that's mean, a dude, what are we? Cult classic here, Scott. What What are we doing? Is it a cult classic? I don't know. I I guess. Uh, it's it a is, good one. It's it a classic. was it's a, a classic. movie that got a lot of attention and hype and didn't deserve it. Oh my! I don't God. really. I, I, oh I my God! I'm like, this is kind of lame. Bill Murray uh, alone was just like that whole thing was so great. I, I don't I gotta disagree with you, Scott. I think this is a bad take. I think this is a this, this, is, a, this is an Azer like take that exactly, you're throwing out here. This is an Azer level so. take. Like I'm I'm putting myself in the position of the time, and I don't remember anyone being that impressed by it in the moment. It's kind of like uh what's that? Oh, we've talked about this with the Welsh. Hocus pocus, same thing. Like <laughs> comes out, everybody kind of yawns at it, and then but and then we're supposed to believe that 25 years later it was some kind of classic. I don't. Sorry. It was a classic at the time. I grew up with the movie, Scott, so I love it. I yeah, I will not back down from the, the, space. There was a good run of those like real life versus cart like uh, who framed Roger Rabbit did the like cartoons yeah. in real life. Like, there classic. was some. That's but, a class. <laughs> I mean, Space, like, Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> Come on. I think, if, I think if you look up critic reviews of those two movies, there will be a huge oh my. discrepancy. How many of those movies exist, by the way? The real life people oh. and the cartoons? Because it was like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Space Jam. There was a weird one called Cool World, which is a little bit more adult <sighs> with uh, Brad Pitt. And I, those are the only three I can think of. L- Looney Tunes know. back in action with like Brendan Fraser. I never okay. saw it, but I think that exists. That sounds right. That's the fourth one. All right, we got four. There we go. I don't disagree. I know Roger Rabbit is, is it is Robert viewed Zemeckis. as a like classic movie. I understand that. But yeah. I mean, come on, Scott. We're not looking up critic scores for Space Jam. It's, <sighs> it's a feel thing. Anyway. It's I'm a in, feel thing. <laughs> I'm in a 12-team head-to-head points league, already keeping Jordan Alvarez in the third and Shohei Otani, hitter and pitcher, in the seventh. Should I keep Brandon Woodruff in the fourth or Vinny P? Baby. In the ninth. I hate to, you know, keep making the boring choice. As much as I love Vinny P, uh, you know, you're talking about keeping in the ninth round as opposed to just drafting him in the seventh or sixth, maybe. Um, Woodruff, though, probably a second or third round pick and you get him in the fourth. Like, I, I, I feel like the higher end player, again, for the slight discount, it's not like it's a huge discount. Like, if it was round 19 for Vinny Pasquantino instead of round nine, it'd be different. But I'm, I'm going to say Woodruff in round four. I agree. And, you know, points league pitchers, like I, I still value having pitchers higher in points league. So, yeah, I go with Woodruff here. From BHM. Hi, Ben, Ron, and Andy. That's uh, Parks and Rec. Game. Yeah, that is Parks and Rec. I finished Parks and Rec either last year or two years ago. It's really good. Watched two episodes. Two episodes I've watched, and that's like all. Oh, I think okay. the only one was the Patton Oswald. I think it was the famous Patton Oswald Star Wars uh, um, speech. The filibuster. The, yeah. Filibuster. That's what it was. Yeah. I think that's about it. The first season is. You bad, didn't like it, but you get no. Pat- I, I don't not like it. I'm just like a. Uh, I'm like okay. Melon, I'm a little bit more melancholy. I like watch a lot of dramas. Like I love comedies, but yeah. I, I haven't finished any of the great comedies that I should. And it's a yeah. Joke. I mean, Parks and Rec. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. I prefer a drama to a. Uh, a sitcom or whatever we classify Parks and Rec as, uh, but it's it's one of the yeah very best. Scott, so I rewatch that Pat Oswald scene a lot. So yeah, are you taking Parks and Rec or The Office, Scott? I, I I think The Office. It's it's close, and I understand people who say Parks and Rec. I think Parks and Rec's c- c- the consistency of the humor was better in Parks and Rec. Yep, but The Office really handled like human drama 
Like it, 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 the way it weaved it in with the funny, I think was very impressive and few sitcoms ever have matched. And so it was Ooh. just like, it, it, it was just a little deeper than Parks and Rec, I would say. And that's I a think real that, life audio part. Rotten Tomatoes review you just gave us there. That was <laughs> that was very intense, Scott. I well, like that know, review. Scott's reading film critic reports about uh, Space Jam. So, you know, he's he's got the knowledge. So. <laughs> Definitely. It's not his. That's a little too low brow for Scott. 100% Space Jam is 100%. Uh, 12 team 5 by 5 Roto League with the usual categories, except we use saves plus holds instead of saves. Need six keepers. Devin Williams for eight. Pete Fairbanks for two, Andres Munoz for three, JT Real Muto for 18, Logan Webb for three, Nico Horner for two, Joey Manessis for two, and Jeffrey Springs for two. Um, I mean, Springs is a, a slam dunk. Munoz is a slam dunk. I'd say Devin Williams and Logan Webb slam dunks. There's four. And then, I don't know, I'd probably throw, what, did, what is this? Is this Roto? I could Real get Mito. down with uh, Horner and um, Real, Real I Mito. Know. I think so. And Real yeah. Mito. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yep, I think that's pretty good. Let's get to, well, we'll wrap up with this one. From old pitchers, never die. Hey, Strickland, Do- Dozier, and Pence. Former- Hunters. Oh, hunters, man, man, I am, it does, I'm sweat. I'm, oh, I'm Joey Gallo of this game. I'm like, ah, it's the giants. I am <laughs> at this game. I gotta get better. Oh, uh, I am catfishing. Did you think Brian Dozier initially when he saw Dozier? Cause they- yeah, I just, it did hundred percent. Just looking at I, wrong. Do- I just saw Hunter Strickland yesterday too. He's with the uh, reds and I just couldn't get it. I skipped ahead and I started there. I was like, Brian Dozier, Hunter Pence. I'm like, what do these guys all have in common? And then I was like, ah, oh, Hunter Dozier, got it. Um, catfishing for keepers in my 12 team, 15 category head to head league. OBP, slug, K per nine, quality starts, and net wins. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, seven keepers this year Lindor, Luis Robert, Matt Olson, Stalling Marte, O'Neill Cruz, Emmanuel Classe, and Josh Hader. Should I swap any of Dalton Varsho, Adolis Garcia, Andrew Vaughn? Matt Chapman, Zach Gallon, or Tyler Glass now. Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't value Starling Marte to be in this list, especially if like you're leaving Zach Gallon. Um, I'm not the biggest like Varsho guy this year, but like I think I would rather have Varsho at this point over Marte. Yeah. And Gallon is the one that is really kind of jumping out to me. That's like elite starting pitcher, and you're not keeping any either. And this is like. You do have pitcher categories, so I'm 100. Yeah, no, I'm 100 dumping Starling Marte for Gallon here. Did you did you reject Varsho? I didn't reject him, but like I would take. I think I would take Gallon over him. Like Varsho, OBP. I guess the slug is going to be better. OBP. I'm not sure it's going to help uh, a bunch. Yeah. I, I'm um, starting to um, uh, Neil, who we had on yesterday. Or not yesterday, whenever I don't, I don't remember when people are going to be listening to this. But Neil, Neil, who we had on as a guest a few days ago, um, you know, made talked up Varsho as somebody he really liked going to Toronto with the fences moving in and right center specifically. And Varsho's power is so much to his pull side that, yeah, I mean, if he's truly playing every day and he's bad against left-handers, so I kind of have some doubts there. But if he's truly playing too. every day, he could put up a Pretty big home run, to, bigger than than I think a lot of people are anticipating as a catcher eligible player. And of course, he's got the speed element there too. Uh, but are we saying is speed part of this league? Uh, it doesn't I mean, say. I assume, but I, I would assume they're doing net steals since they're doing net wins and all yeah. this like stuff. I mean, obviously, like, steals aren't there. I guess it doesn't matter. But 
I, the one hesitation, and I know we're taking forever to answer this question. So, Gallon, you know, you're you're talking about the first seven rounds are over if every team's keeping seven players. So, what is the? You don't have a starting pitcher. What's your best starting pitcher going to look like if you don't keep Gallon? That's one consideration. The other consideration is just Dalton Varsho as a catcher is really valuable, and so do I want to leave him out there? And I. I don't think you should keep Starling Marte. That's definitely out. I agree with that. But could you find a way to? Because I think Varsho and Gallon are both first round picks in this league. Not even knowing who else is there, mm-hmm. is would you be willing to knock out like Matt Olson for Varsho? Like, or you know, if you the combo of Varsho and Gallon is, is there an another OBP. player you could pair? No, yeah, OBP. Yeah, you couldn't do that. I was gonna, I was gonna knock maybe Hater out of this group because you already have Class A. Don't be a hater. Don't be <laughs> a hater, Frank. I'm surprised they didn't tell us this is like, if this was save and hold, then yeah, I would knock Hater out as well and just keep it. Yeah, maybe you do knock one of these closers out and you take No, the, I, I just think, like you could trade one. Hater for a more valuable starting pitcher than Gallon in all likelihood. If maybe. it were save and holds, I don't agree. Maybe. But if it were pure saves, maybe. If it were saves and holds, I think this person would probably mention it. Considering yeah, all yeah. the other categories, but I guess yeah, I guess I, I that's think, true. Just cape. I think I swap out Robert. I'm, I'm sorry. I think I swap out Marte for Varsho and just take my chances at pitcher. You could do that. And the other thing we're forgetting is slam dunk ace. You know, yeah. This is also a cape or nine league, so the relievers will maybe even a little bit more of an advantage. Um, they're going to help, and since you guys have a cape per nine category, so maybe taking them out isn't the way. Um, yeah, you can make that decision. Like, what other catchers are going to be on the market? I kind of lean Gallon. You lean Varsho. I think both are really solid ones. Just having seven keepers, not one being a starting pitcher, I'd probably want to know what other starting pitchers are available before I did that. Yeah, I'll break the tie. I think I'll take Varsho and swap out Starling Marte, but it is very close between him and uh, Zach Gallon. The last note from this question, my dog won't eat peeps, so I definitely won't. Sorry, Scott. Not that I don't you, think they're supposed to. You, pr- you shouldn't feed your dog peeps. <laughs> don't even yeah. try to do that. Yeah, here's That's a PSA. A don't feed your dogs chocolate grapes and just, you know, maybe feed them the food. <laughs> I mean, be a little careful about the food that you're eating here. Did you try? All right, Scott, you're a peep guy. Did you do the peep soda? I haven't tried it yet. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll do I a don't. live review here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a live review, Scott. That, that's something that has. We'll I like to be a part it. of that. Let's all get the peep soda and let's uh, let's break it down. All right. Okay. That sounds good to me. We'll we'll do that. Coming up soon. We're gonna wrap there for Scott and the Welsh. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again next week. Bye bye. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.